Hello guys, welcome back to Daily Devo with Sarah. Um, I feel like a fraud saying that because it's not Daily Devo anymore, you guys. I'm falling apart. It's not daily. Um, what do I call it? Like inconsistently Daily Devo with Sarah? Like if I'm gonna be honest. Anyway, what day is it today? Anyway, um, wow. It's the 19th. Crazy, crazy. Um, and then it's gonna be April soon. Again, crazy. Hope you guys have been well. Uh, let's just get into the diva, okay, before, like, I go off on a tangent, because you know that's gonna happen anyway. Um, I'm sorry, like, if I sound kind of weird. <laughs> no, I definitely do. I gotta sound weird, because I, um, not only have the rubber bands in for my braces, which is coming off soon, but also, um, like, a mouth garden. I usually don't have them on when I'm recording, because I sound like this, and some of my words just sound weird, but, um, <clears throat> I just already pressed record and um, I just want to get rolling with it. So if I bother you with the way I talk, I apologize. But this is the real me. And you know what? It's the content that matters, right? It's the content. Okay. So the title, um, well, the topic for today is Refuse Trite Answers. I totally forgot what trite means. Do you guys remember? You should look it up if you don't know because I don't know. Or you know what? I could just look it up. Like what's so hard about just turning on cellular data and looking it up, you know? Um, no, it's not that I don't have Wi-Fi. But like whenever I record, I have my phone on airplane mode because I don't want to be disrupted. Okay, so trite means overused or lacking originality. I should have remembered that. I definitely learned that in SAT um, with what's her name? Mrs. Morgan or whatever her name was. Oops, anyway, we're supposed to refuse overused cliched answers. Answers to what, right? Okay, so let's go on. We are still going from the book of Job. Um, It looks like we have moved on tremendously <laughs> from our last Devo because we started at like what, Job 4? And suddenly we're at Job 28. Wow, okay. Uh, verses 20 through 24 and then one added on for verse 28 okay <clears throat> where then does wisdom come from where does understanding dwell it is hidden from the eyes of every living thing concealed even from the birds in the sky destruction and death oh notice capital death i mean capital d for death say only a rumor um, of it has reached our ears god understands the way to it and he alone knows where it dwells what are we talking about again oh wisdom yeah god is the only one who knows where wisdom dwells i mean yeah because it's in him right like he's wisdom himself for he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under heavens and he said to the human race the fear of the lord that is wisdom and to shun evil is understanding. Y'all remember reading that from the book of Proverbs like a couple weeks ago, or maybe several weeks ago, right? Where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, or the beginning of wisdom is the fear of wisdom. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, so I guess like Job repeats that <clears throat> in today's chapter. All right, so let's check out the input from the authors. Full wisdom, the ability to truly understand why things happen and Okay, 
full wisdom, the ability to truly understand why things happen and what they mean is unavailable. It is hidden. Only God sees it all. It is the height of wisdom to see that you cannot attain supreme wisdom. I don't got a problem with that. I know I can't attain supreme wisdom and that's a lot of pressure. You know, to like seek supreme wisdom. I mean, sometimes I find myself when I'm like on a YouTube rabbit hole trying to like reach the supreme wisdom and then I just get like overwhelmed and I want to explode because you know when there are like unlimited resources on places like YouTube, you're like I will make effort to learn as much as I can. <laughs> and then you just feel stupid. Every time you learn more because you realize how much you don't know. Like you get reminded how much you don't know every time you learn. So yeah, I already know. Do not worry, God. Like I do not wish to take away your supreme wisdom. (laughs) Moralists are sure that good people don't suffer. But when they find that they do, the illusionment is deep. Cynics fortify themselves against suffering by laughing that there is no order or purpose to things. Yeah, I'm going to go back to moralist. Okay, so apparently um, they believe that good people don't suffer. And like that's we know that's wrong, right? Hello, we talked about the story of Job in the last episode and the episode before. And that's not how this world operates. Yeah, because of the brokenness of this world, because of the naturally sinful state of man, um, we don't agree with these moralists, right? Your good behavior doesn't equate good life in terms of, you know, like removal of suffering and all the bad stuff. It's irrelevant to some degree. Not completely, but to some degree. And then where it says, cynics fortify themselves against suffering by laughing that there is no order or purpose to things. Yeah, I'm not with the cynics either because I feel like these people are so depressing. I feel like they've gone through so much trauma in life that like they just see everything as being stoic. Everything as being just the way it is. Like they don't got hope. Like these people are sad people. Um... I had to like prevent myself from becoming cynical many moments in my life because after like experiencing some of like the negative experiences in my life, I found myself going down this path and it was like scary. I did not want to go there. Um, I definitely would like credit my faith and like God working in my heart when it comes to me not going deep down in that path because I could have so gone there. Okay, but it is foolish to think that there is no order or purpose to things as it is to think you can discern it if you try. The wise approach is not simplistic. True wisdom refuses all trite answers which suggests either that we know it all or that we can know nothing. Even though supreme wisdom is not available, practical wisdom is through the fear of the Lord. This gives you practical, sorry, basic answers about questions and meaning, broad moral principles for guidance, and most most of all, the presence of God that you will need to get through life. Yes, I agree with that 100%. Um, 
I think that last sentence actually was very key where it says this gives you right the fear of the Lord and then the practical wisdom that you get with that gives you the basic answers about the questions of meaning broad moral principles for guidance and most of all the presence of God that you will need to get through the uh, my goodness get through life so basically in a paraphrased version or the way that I'm interpreting this whole thing is just saying that like you know when you read the Bible as a Christian or maybe not even a Christian, when you just like read the Bible and you try to seek like guidance and wisdom, like you will get it. Like, but you're not going to find answers for very, very specific things, you know? Um, and that's why like, it's like people, religions, like the Jews and the Catholics have like added onto the Bible. And even though the Bible says clearly not to do that, there are all these like extra catechisms extra like laws that like you know people have made up like centuries ago and you know it's one of the reasons why like protestants and catholics for example although they are both christians have a bit of a split right or like (laughs) a major split um anyway i personally believe that yeah like the bible isn't like a how-to guide a step-by-step a very clear instruction on exactly what to do in any single like scenario you come across in life it's simply it guides your heart i think it's sometimes vague but it has the foundational um like value system and moral system for you to abide by so that you will you know conceptually understanding who god is through your relationship and through reading the word like you will be able to live the way that is pleasing to god and you know in a way that leads to you achieving wisdom right like true wisdom that comes from god um anyway if you have the loving gaze of jesus's face what other circumstances do you think you need in order to be content um any understanding on why that question is being asked for this topic because i am not seeing the relevance but it says list them and now repent for resting in them too much my goodness it's taking me to like step three and not even like understanding step one because i gotta answer the question where it says if you have the loving gaze of jesus's face that's the thing about these devos it's just like so mush like that but anyway i know what they're talking about they just didn't have to word it like that if you have the loving gaze of jesus's face which i know what that's i know what that's about um i've never seen his face um what other circumstances do you think you need in order to be content oh okay so like let me make this make sense I think this question is essentially asking (laughs) if you truly have a relationship with Jesus, then, and like, you know, you're supposed to like find absolute fulfillment and wholeness in God in your relationship with him, but you're not content. Like, what is it that you need in order to be fully content? That's a personal question. (laughs) Um, It's asking me why I'm not completely happy (laughs) right like that's how i'm taking it and like how dare you ask but you know what good question good question um why am i not 100 happy why is sarah not like 
it's a brand new day and happy to get up every single morning and go to bed you know with my head on my pillow like life is good life is good all the time all the time life is good why is sarah not like that i mean because i have needs and wants and i don't have every single one of them you know i am a privileged person when it comes to certain privileges in my life and i am a blessed person with certain blessings that i have in my life but you know what I don't have everything I want and I don't have everything I need. And because I don't have all of those things, I feel like not 100% content. And you know what? Like if you removed all of my privileges and blessings and you give me Jesus, I will still be happy in terms of like compare Jesus with other things. Like Jesus will always fulfill me first and foremost and most um but yeah i guess i'm just thinking of from a person living in an earthly world i obviously want to have more money and personally i don't need to be living like the most luxurious life not that that would be so bad (laughs) but that's not necessarily like what i'm desiring for my life but you know like i would never have to like worry about paying a bill that would be nice i would never like to I don't know, you guys, you want me to tell you (laughs) what would make me 100% happy, okay? The final answer to cap that question is having, like, really communing with God and finding ultimate peace in Him. But that's like the cap of the question. So what is at the bottom of all the questions? Well, I mean, needs and wants. Here's what I picture for my life, right? I wake up with a beautiful husband next to me and our room is amazing. It's gold and it's white and it's black, my favorite colors. And I am served breakfast, bed and breakfast every day. And sunlight is coming through my windows and I don't gotta go to work. I don't got to go to work. I don't got to commute. I don't got to wake up with the alarm, right? I wake up when I want and I eat shakshuka, an omelet, green juice on the side for the early morning detox and candles already lit in the background, you know, and then I do my workout, you know, Like, go to a Pilates class, a private Pilates class. (laughs) Do my morning yoga, right? Get into my meditation with God. Open the word of God. Be filled spiritually, the spiritual food, right? And then I don't work, you know, because I never went. And I just read books that I want. I go for a nice morning walk, enjoying the breeze, enjoying the sunshine. And I just shop. And... (laughs) Buy whatever I want. I don't got to splurge. But I get myself what I want. And then I get my makeup done. I get my hair done. My stylist pick out the clothes for me so I don't got to make decisions. And I don't got to use my brain. And then I spend time with my kids. I didn't see them in the morning because the maid sent them off to school. And I didn't. And I could sleep in. But when they come home, we play outside. And I have a good time with my kids. I ask them about their school experience. Oh, but then they would go to a, like a good school, 
like a Christian school probably because yeah, this the school system in America is going cray cray. Um, and then husband comes home. Maybe he doesn't have to work either, but I would like him to work. I don't know. I respect men who work. And then we could all just spend like a nice family time together. I have a nice dinner, Bible study, and then like we pray together. And yeah, like what a nice Thursday that could be, you know? Um, and then the weekends, like we could go out and we could serve the poor, serve the community. And then, you know what I mean? Like get involved in that way. What a life. So if I had that plus, I could cap it off with like every day waking up morning to night. I have Jesus in my heart. Like, and you know what I mean? I live every day thinking about him and thinking about ways I can serve him and bless others. Then that would be where I find myself happy. Okay. So now y'all know I have to repent now. So I'm going to step two. Uh Oh, lost my page. Hold on. Um, list them okay so i did step three now repent for resting in them too much am i supposed to like say sorry to god for wanting everything i just listed like my perfect thursday well i mean i can't repent when i don't understand what i'm repenting for i guess okay I guess like repenting that like even without those things, I can't find myself perfectly content. But it's hard. I live in a first world and everybody around me is seeking to be the top in the first world. And like mimetic desires are such a thing, you guys. I don't know if y'all know what that is. But mimetic desire basically means that these desires that you have may not be completely just like generated from your own self but then these are the desires that other people around you in your life have and so you end up adopting their desires as your own and honestly i bet most of our desires like look at yourself or think about yourself like most of your desires are are mimetic desires i find that to be the case for me um and i'm not giving excuses because truly as a christian if i am one deep inside then no matter what like i'm not even suffering in this life you know what i mean i have it pretty good but even if i weren't suffering or were suffering just having god 24 access 24 7 access available in my heart like that should be enough and that sounds amazing honestly it doesn't sound like something i would be excited by but i know i just know in my heart for some reason that like if i could achieve that i am i would be the most invincible person in this world and i would be my happiness and my joy would be unshakable even if like my life sucks because i don't know let's say i lose my job i don't know let's say like bankruptcy happens not gonna happen but you know i'm just trying to like make up scenarios here like i would still not necessarily be like happy about that situation but i would still be able to find contentment and gratefulness in knowing that i have a savior and knowing what jesus did for me right like i have eternally a person who gave up his own life his comfort his convenience and like quite literally his life for me and I think it's just like me losing that picture 
of Jesus and that reality and that fact about what he did for me that leads me to this like desiring of more and more and more of a more comfortable life and I guess that's my biggest desire um there you go I just wrapped it up for you a comfortable life a comfortable life but you know like just on a side note I just have to say as a woman that the fact that I have to like work it bothers me and this is where like I am not with the more modern day feminists I really just missed it when you know I wasn't even born then but like when people weren't pushing women to work or more like women weren't pushing women to work I think feminists okay this is going off into a different conversation um I will stop it here but please reference Ali Wong for her situation her take on working women working um that wraps it up um yeah so I can't like really repent right now because I don't really feel it I don't know how you guys repent but like I get told to repent like at church I get told to repent like in the bible and just like people I talk to sometimes but I'm like repenting is different than confession right and so if we're actually talking about the literal definitive definition of repent and I am not ready to repent then like there's no point of me even trying because that's not authentic repenting isn't just like you stating what you feel like you did is wrong like repenting means you turn from your ways and it's not like I want to stop desiring those things I feel like that's not necessarily bad it's just I may desire them more than I should compared to how much of that desire God um but yeah I just at least want to just see what the prayer says Lord when I visit with a person who is bereaved or suffering I am tempted to speak in spiritual platitudes no idea what a platitude is shut me up and teach me how to comfort the way Jesus comforts me not with answers for every question but just with his presence amen um oh yeah okay this prayer makes sense because in the context of Job's story his friend named like Eliphaz or something was trying to comfort him but then he was like super unsuccessful just say, spitting out these like spiritual ideas like oh you must have done something wrong against god you must have sinned because that's why you have all these terrible things happening in your life that's not the way to comfort right like the way that i think through the prayer we're being taught how to comfort people is the way jesus did which is not like spitting out these like spiritual facts right um but just with his presence and i think that's so beautiful because you know how like even when you have like um a good friend and you're going through a crappy time right like you don't necessarily need to have your good friend like say all these words of encouragement and affirmation you just need them to be there and that's sufficient right um and i guess it's the same thing with jesus it's because of the intimacy of the relationship you have with him right and it's true even when you guys like we are going through tough times sometimes you know as much as you may feel pressure to you don't have to go to jesus and start speaking all these things and start verbalizing your pain to him like he already knows first of all and like you know you can go verbalize if you want but like just know that you can just show up in god's presence and you're already connected you're already in sync 
right? And I think that's so beautiful. And I think you can only experience the beauty of that when you have a relationship with him after you have decided to accept him into your heart, you know? Not as a favor to the Lord or anything, because like what, like God doesn't gain anything from you accepting Jesus. Only you gain in that context, right? But yeah, just like the presence is enough. And I want that. I think that's like the kind of prayer that I want. I feel, oh my gosh, what? I feel uh, myself resonating with more. I think because honestly, rather than just like repenting and focusing on wanting things more, wanting other things more than God, like if I just look to Jesus and keep looking at him, then like I won't be desiring other things as much just naturally. I heard a pastor tell me this and then another pastor a couple years ago tell me this, but then when you try to run away from sin, mentally you're so fixated on sin that even though you're actually trying to get away with it, you're keeping it very close to your proximity. So your plan to get away from sin might backfire. Instead, another approach that you could try is rather than focusing on the sin or focusing on like, you know, the stuff you want to get rid of in your like faith journey, why don't you just look to God? And when you keep your eyes, your mind, and your heart fixated on Him, just very, very naturally, you will start to, you know, your craving for the other things other than God will start to chisel away. And again, just as a disclaimer, it's not like wanting other things in your life besides God is a sinful thing, right? God gave us things in this world to enjoy. And when we are enjoying ourselves, God also delights in that. You know, I'm not talking about like enjoying ourselves with like weed and stuff, but like, you know, you know what I mean, right? Um, but at the same time, I think y'all get what I'm trying to say. You know, I just want to, like this weekend and early next week, try to spend like five minutes minimum just like going to him and thinking about him. Not reading the Bible, not singing a praise song, not saying a prayer, just existing and putting myself before him. Because, you know, when you're really close to somebody, you don't even need words to communicate. Just being in each other's presence, like, it's that's happening, you know? It builds intimacy, and I want that. I want to try that. I've tried it before in the past. I forgot what happened. I want to try that again. So that's kind of where I'm leaving off today's Devo, you guys. Um, Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And um, I'm starting to stir my words because I'm getting so tired. I will talk to you guys maybe tomorrow, maybe not. But um, non-daily Devo with Sarah will be back at some point. So yeah, go spend time with Jesus. Bye.